Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm... Oh, wait. That bit doesn't work. Never mind. I mean, I'm Alex. And over here, getting over a cold but warmed up by his good pals, it's Britain. So I apologize in advance if I cough or something. But hey, everybody, how you guys doing, boys? I'm talking to the audience, right? Well, we need to give about 30 seconds for them to respond. That's true, yes. <laughs> it's like it's like Dora the Explorer. Yes, yes. How right. are you? Good. Bueno. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. That's that's my response. Come on. Uh, so just just everybody, full disclosure, just so we're all clear, Britton, Tyler, and I, we all watched The Man with the Golden Gun <laughs> together. We sure did. But it was like a week and a half ago, that's so... Yeah, a bit of a bit of a hiatus, hiatus. <laughs> yes, um, yes, to use the Greek. <laughs> now we have a re- there's a really interesting. I don't know what the thread of movies we the three of us have watched together. I don't know what the thread connecting them is because it's uh, Guardian, <coughs> Guardians Two, <clears throat> Wonder Woman. Mm. Do we all see Wonder Woman together, or is that just me and you, Alex? I believe that was just me and you. Okay. Yeah, Tyler, so, Tyler I think was, was, was I think not available for that. Okay, so Guardians Two, Aliens. That, that's that's why Tyler oh, liked right. it because he wasn't yeah. he didn't watch it with us. That's right. That's right. Yeah, because we did we saw Guardians Two together, Aliens, Santa Buddies, and um, now Man Transformers with the Golden, Five. Transformers we watched Five. Transformers ah, Five ah, together. And Man good, with the Golden good Gun collection. Good so collection. what? A, <laughs> what a, what, a, what a smorgasbord of movies. I guess next it'll be like Hellraiser. I don't know. Yeah, probably. That's, I think. I think if you put, plot those out, I'm like it's like that joke in Futurama where the aliens are like, "We'll begin with the math teachers, then the firemen, and so on in that order." <laughs> uh, also, I feel like I should just say, just because I kept bringing up Dark Phoenix, even when there was Correct. no reason to, I give it a C minus. It's whatever. <laughs> Well, you know, Exa- uh, it's exactly it what I thought it would be. Probably yeah. something less than a C minus, but we'll find out later. Yeah. Well, the director's been giving his mea culpa, his his mea Kinberg out there. Has he? Yeah. Has better like, than straight Jack up just Snyder. being like it was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Which, in a way, I'm, I respect. I'm like, cool, man. All right. Fair. And no shade, then. It's better than Zack Snyder. <laughs> now, guys, the Beatles posited that happiness is a warm gun. Can the same be said of a golden gun? Let's discuss. Tyler, what's your best thing and worst thing about the man with the golden gun? Or actually, oh, rather, hold on, sorry. hold on. I gotta, yeah, I Alex, give us the stats. Scores. Give us the stats. I gotta give the information. I was going, to, right. re- I was going to respond you, to your query with a simple no. <laughs> uh, I was so I was so proud of my bit that I forgot the order of the show. Go ahead, Alex. It's okay. It's okay. We're 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 all friends here. <laughs> Are we? So <laughs> much like the well, Beatles until our acrimonious split in the future. <laughs> yeah, that'll be the Dark Phoenix episode. <gasps> Probably true. Someone that, that, got. Do I hear be... wedding bells? <laughs> <laughs> the series finale of the podcast will be the Dark Phoenix episode. Oh, Locking it in. <laughs> so, The Man with the Golden Gun, directed by Guy Hamilton. I believe this was his last Bond film. What a name. Um, it was. It's from 1974, and it has a 44% critic score. On Rotten Tomatoes and a 56% audience score. Interesting. Um, let me stack these up real quick. I believe that's the lowest for both thus far. Really? Yes. Interesting. Yes, um, but yeah. Hmm. Tyler. I remember, I remember you saying that this was yeah. a pretty underperforming movie, right? 
Yeah, it didn't too, do too well, yeah. and this kind of helped instigate the split between the two main producers, um, Harry Saltzman and uh, Cubby Broccoli. So Cub- after wait, this, wait, <laughs> so, roll that back. Yeah, Cubby Broccoli. Cubby's, uh, I believe it's a nickname. It's Albert R. Broccoli, but he go he went by Cubby. Oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> there's only races more, but hey, I'm Albert. Actually, call me Cubby because no, there's I'm- actually. I I read the the book. Um, I can't remember what the book's called, but it's it's out. Of Was sight, it like so Cubby Broccoli and the Mystery of the Missing Rutabagas? <laughs> is he like a basically? Nu- is he like a nutritious detective from the forties? <laughs> basically, there's a couple of different stories that that are they kind of uh, contradict each other about how he actually got the nickname Cubby, but that's a I, thing. I, I, I don't want to hear. They all them. come back to he gave himself that name and just <laughs> <laughs> like. Oh just my like God. this is the coolest name, and then he turned fourteen. Fourteen's <laughs> <laughs> generous. And then, and then he, he, he yeah. Oh, uh, some kind of hero is the book. Highly recommended sure. if anybody's interested in the history of Bond movies. Broccoli, Cubby, broccoli. <laughs> yeah, yes. But All basically, right. this that's, movie that's didn't do too well. Right. It caused the split between the producers and, and the, the the series was kind of in jeopardy, and a lot was riding on the next film, which of course we'll get to. Tyler, what's your best thing and your worst thing about the man with the golden gun? And does it have the best theme song ever written? Uh, no, that's still Goldfinger. Um. <laughs> okay. This this one does make the attempt to emulate it does Goldfinger. Make a good attempt. Um. It's not time. It's not time yet. But some point in this episode, I will probably, I'll probably burst into it. Um, yeah. Uh, whew, this was a movie. Um, well, was it? I mean, it I'm gonna, I'm gonna it was movie shaped. I, I definitely have the the uh, sharpest memory it when is, it comes to this movie, mostly just because I've seen it more than once. It is. It is at least movie adjacent. Um, yes. My is that's like half the Bond series, though, right? I feel like a lot of them you can't really consider sure, movies. Sure, like as, as I, I don't want to be that pretentious guy that says, "Oh, those aren't real films." But it's kind of true. <laughs> to, to, to if yeah. all right, let, real quick here, real quick here, yeah, run me run me down the list. So we start with we start with Doctor No, real movie, sure. Yep. Um, yep. From Russia with Love. From Russia with Love, sure, sure. Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Mm-hmm. Thunderball. Not a real movie. No, that's not. That's not. That's that's uh, like a deep sea diving documentary spliced with half a Bond movie. Uh, you only live twice. I don't even remember which one that is. That's the one we hated with the volcano lair, and he goes to Japan and becomes Japanese. Yeah, definitely not a real movie. Uh, Honor, Majesty, Secret Service. Sure, sure, I gave that one. Um, Diamonds are forever. Mm, probably not. That's. That's bordering. That could be flipped either way. <laughs> That's a little bit along the lines of this one. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll have to then, decide how we come down on this. Yeah, live and let die. Sure. So that's like a 75% hit rate on movie versus not movie. Something like yeah, that. and we're about to enter like cartoon fantasy land where they <laughs> just, you know, they looked at Roger Moore and said, hey, you like the funny stuff. Um, Let's just do the funny stuff. You know, I can't complain. Uh, I can complain a little. I, I'm going to complain a lot. Um, the... Yeah, I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal the obvious best thing as Christopher Lee. Mm. Um, oh, I'm spoilers. I'm I'm just gonna copy you and say Christopher. Yeah, I was Lee's gonna say you, you well. gave it to like, me. I'm you not... gave me the option first, so I'm gonna take that. <laughs> um, like and, he he is the clear best thing yes, about this movie. Yes, um, and he's 
he's sort of quirky and weird in, in at least what they ask him to do. And so there's a lot of sort of like interesting elements to his performance there. Obviously, his, his voice is legendary. Uh, and the way he sort of just delivers lines and like kind of rolls with a lot of the... Uh, I mean, as you mentioned multiple times, uh, what, what is it that he says in the beginning? Um, Knick-knack Tabasco. Yeah, yeah, where he's... yeah. Um, which is totally a joke from the James Bonding podcast, which I also recommend. They, sure. I, I think I want to say they sell T-shirts. Do they that really? say that? That's incredible. <laughs> but um, it's just such a bizarre line that comes out of nowhere, and you're like, "Oh, this is our bad guy." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tabasco. Uh, but it, but it, it's Christopher Lee delivering it, so it works. Yeah, because uh, Christopher Lee is awesome, and he says multiple ridiculous things throughout the movie. Um, he has the little golden guns, pretty cool. Uh, mm-hmm. Got the like separate pieces, the the lighter and the the pin and something else. Yeah, there's a couple <laughs> other like, elements. It's like a protractor, <laughs> banana, a, a picture of Danamichi, you know, <laughs> a trash can, <laughs> trash can. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's, don't worry, it's, it's portable. Kind of an interesting villain character, kind of kind of fun, and um, I I don't know if I think they utilize him to the best of. Like, like to what he could have been utilized to. I don't think so. Uh, they don't. In, ter- in terms of being like a really compelling, interesting villain, mm. um, and and really, I don't think he gets many sequences that are like, oh wow, that was that was awesome. Like the the in, I mean the the finale is is fairly cool where where Bond uh, basically replaces the cardboard cutout of Bond um, at the end to, yeah. to to catch him. It's yeah. pretty good. It's pretty good. But like I overall, I, I they don't really use him in a way that I would prefer them. To use him, I think this he's not very intimidating. Really, he only gets one other action sequence, and that's just the opening. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think this is a case of the character benefits from the actor. Yes. More than the yes. other way around. Whereas you look at something like in Skyfall, and I feel like that was really both. There's a mm-hmm. there probably was a lot on the page with Silva, certainly more than there is in this. And obviously Javier Bardem is wonderful in that. Right. But with with. Uh, What's his name? What's his name in this? Toby? What's Chris Lee's character's name? Francisco Scaramanga. Thank you. So close. Yeah, I was, I was right next <laughs> to my second, that was my second guess. Second guess. Um, yeah, when he was Francisco Scaramanga. He. Uh, the man with the third nipple. <laughs> right. The man with the third nipple. <laughs> the character. The character oh, excuse me. Is, Superfluous Papilla. Yeah, the, I forgot about that. I until can't you believe that up. I remembered that. Well, I, think, I broke multiple times during yeah. the viewing of this movie because of the fact that that is a major plot point. Well, I think that's hey, the spoilers. only thing on the I, page that's I, really compelling about the character. <laughs> Maybe. Because none of his lines, I mean, his lines are okay, but like, I don't know. Christopher really brings something to it because he's very charismatic and engaging as an actor. So yeah, I think this was something where the the, the character they benefited from <laughs> casting Christopher Lee. This is not something that if, if a, a lesser actor would not have this would not have been their breakthrough role. Right? Think. Yes. What's your worst thing? Oh, by the way, just just quick insert. I'm pretty sure he doesn't have a third nipple in the book. I'm pretty. <laughs> I, I'm I'm going to check just to be sure, good, but good. I I think it's pretty safe to say that's just a weird addition for the movie. <laughs> Um, I think my like my worst thing, and I I don't even know what worst things I've given to the previous Bond movies, but this I I think my worst thing overall is the worst thing I've given to movies like You Only Live Twice and um, Thunderball to some extent. I guess those are really the only two that we've like really 
I mean, I, I actually liked a lot of at least the earlier part of Thunderball. But the back half of that, and then All of You Only Live Twice, I think both of those um, are probably the least uh, enjoyed of the ones we've reviewed so far. And uh, not counting Quantum of Solace, which is the worst Bond movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll never let it go. Good. Um, but I, it's, it's overall the, the same. I have the same problems with this as I do with those others, is that there's just like no sense of momentum or mm. I mean especially with with you only live twice um it it just sort of like turns into a series of scenes none of which I find particularly interesting uh and while this I think has more going for it than you only live twice and uh Roger Moore is giving it a lot more than I think Sean Connery was at that point and because at that point Sean Connery didn't care and at this for good point reason. Roger Moore's still just having fun yeah Sean, Sean Connery was like well I thought I was acting in these movies but apparently I'm doing an Asian makeup face so there's yeah, that then they told me hey we're gonna put some light prosthetics on your face we're gonna give you a horrible wig and you're just gonna have to slouch for like a few months while you pretend to be a have Japanese we, have man have we told you this Britain? no <laughs> But I'm not surprised. I think it broke Sean Connery. Um, again, for good reason. And, and then so, he made the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So overall, you know, you're, I don't remember at all who the villain is in You Only Live Twice. Oh, no, 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 that's right. It's Blofeld. Blofeld. Shows up <laughs> and he is the most forgettable Blofeld to ever Blofeld. Um, and, yeah, it's it's just like... This one at least does have Roger Moore and Christopher Lee as compelling lead roles. Yeah. But, man, <laughs> it's it's kind of a slog. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, it's There are moments of wacky bliss. Mm-hmm. But as a full experience, it's very sort of herky-jerky and, and yes. yeah, discombobulated. Whereas, like, the last movie was more of... There was a lot of, I think, really fun, stupid, great action pieces, and a lot of the movie was transitioning from one to the other. There mm-hmm. wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of downtime in between, um, especially once we got to kind of the back half where it was just like, oh, we're doing this now. What the, what is yeah. what what like it was just sort of insane. Uh, this yeah. one, I don't think any of the action scenes are nearly as compelling, um, and it, it sort of just to me fell flat in a lot of ways for that reason. It's it's just I think it does not. Uh, Managed to stay afloat as it attempts to capture the same zaniness. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Yep. Britain, best thing, worst thing? Well, so my really, my real best thing is a more sort of overarching thing that we can just, that, that we'll, we can get into later. So for the sake of brevity for the segment, I'm going to go with a sort of combined best thing, worst thing. Uh, my best thing is that uh, Hervé Villachay as Nick Knack. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, an actor mm-hmm. uh, with with dwarfism is largely treated with a lot of dignity in this movie. In the sense, he, he that, is definitely in the top five uh, Bond henchmen. Sure, yeah. Well, and in the sense that they really he ha- he'll have like a step stool or something, mm-hmm. so they don't shy away from his size, but they don't constantly point yeah. at it. There aren't short jokes made at about him. He's not a punchline. He's just a character they, that has. Dwarfism and it's not really an issue. Which they is, make which him is seem cool. clever. Yeah, like he's, he's like he's setting up all the traps and everything. Yeah. He's got his kind of like like you said, he's got like a step stool for his controls, but it's sort of like 
I don't know, they almost make it like really interesting. Yeah, and it's also kind of a neat design they're the way that if you were in a wheelchair, he would have a ramp, not in like a, yeah. oh, here's a funny sound effect when he's climbing because right, right, he's little. Right. And so they're, so I feel like for a franchise that is disrespectful very often, <laughs> especially in the 70s. Too many people. Too many people. This was a moment of where I was like, no, they're actually treating this character with some, with some real dignity and also just by just treating him as a person, which showing how easy it is. Therefore, my worst thing is when they put him in a suitcase at the end. Sure. I was, I was going to say, I was like, but there's this one yeah. outstanding bit I think you're missing. Yeah. Okay. And, that's, and that's the worst thing is that they, they then don't, like, there's so many. I, 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 at least they didn't kill him. Right. Sure. This is like the, is, is this the, the first Bond henchman slash villain that's kept alive other than Blofeld? I think it's got to be. I can't, I'm. I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but like, I, just as far as what we've done so far. But I, yeah, I, yeah. Well, I, and maybe the conceit was this is a wacky Roger Moore back. Bond movie, so it's wacky to put a villain in something and have him be like yelling from inside of it. And if he had been sure. like a regular sized person in a coffin, that would be one thing. Mm. But instead, like they finally do, just go, no, we're just going to treat you like a little person and make yeah. a joke out of it. Yeah. And okay. I was like, oh, cool! Like, can't wait for Austin Powers. It, sure. And that was the only that that was a problem I had that they've been doing a really good job by not shying away from his size, but not you know abusing well, it until and it, that and it is sort of like just remembering and I, I well yeah like so basically every Bond henchman up to this point, um, at least from what I can remember, they have like their one thing, and that one thing is what Bond uses against him at the end. Where mm. You've got. Um, Odd job, uh, okay. who Bond for, for tricks your, him with the hat. For your information, yeah, Bond basically uh, uses his spinning hat of death, yeah. bowler hat of death, against him to. Okay. What, what does he do exactly? He like gets it. Um, he chucks the hat between the metal bars, and then when Oddjob goes to reach for it because it's got he, the, the yeah, metal yeah. disc in it, Bond then electrifies the bars. That way, it shocks and electrocutes him. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, like uh, in the last movie. Um, Tiki gets his arm cut yes. or stuck on, on the uh, little window sill thing. Bond like then... snips the cable so that it can't work, and that's how he gets and then he trapped. Kicks him out gotcha, the window. Yeah, um, gotcha. I think there's other examples of that. I can't. Uh, I'm sure you would know better than I do. But... Well, so I guess that would be that uh, for Nick Neck, it's his size, and so then right, and so it's kind of. But it, at the same time, like on the one hand, it's like okay, well, that's I can see like what they were going for at least. But on the yeah. other hand, it's like. This was like, oh, man with a deadly weapon, or right. man with a missing limb that is used to yeah. like, you know, the, this 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 evil henchman with a missing limb, and so it's like, well, his like thing, his gimmick is just that he's short, and, and so it's kind of yeah. like that's not well, and the, this <laughs> is not case, really equivalent. I don't, yeah, when where the actor actually is has that thing. yes yes where exactly. he, it's not a prosthetic, it's not Richard Keel with you know really cool braces, mm -hmm. it's like this guy actually has that thing. So again, it would be like if his the thing was that the guy the bad guy's in a wheelchair and he like <laughs> he, you know tips him out of it or something. It would be yeah, this. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah but that act. That, mm. So that 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 was that was mine. Otherwise, well, I, I feel like they treated Villeche with with a pretty, pretty, mm -hmm. ultimately pretty well in the movie, but but for that. And I, I like how Scaramanga and Knickknack in particular yeah. don't really. There's not like a constant like Scaramanga's constantly sure. like demeaning him or no, anything. No. Um, There's mutual respect because he's like setting up all these traps to keep Scaramanga yeah. honed and everything. I kind of wish they played that up more because I, I really like Knickknack, how he really likes to, like, whenever 
you know he has a uh, potential assassin come to to fight Scaramanga. He he makes it a real challenge for him. Yeah. Because you know he he's like oh Scaramanga dies all of this becomes mine. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I appreciate yeah. that element, but yeah, for sure. You know, it's mentioned in passing practically. So yeah. yeah, a lot of the interesting elements are just mentioned in passing in this movie. Sure. They're very surface level, and that's very, very problematic. Um, oh, Britton, I wanted to ask before I get into my best thing and my worst thing. So, is this your first Roger Moore movie, this Bond isn't... movie that you've ever seen? Uh, no, because I... obviously, obviously, you weren't, you didn't right, see right. Live and Let Die. Um, I saw For Your Eyes Only like two years ago or something. Okay, like I'll remember recently enough that I remember it long enough ago that I don't remember it clearly. So yeah, okay. I've seen For Your Eyes Only. So just based off of that, and then obviously this, where does Roger Moore rank on your Bond performances? Oh, he's my favorite so one. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because I, I find Bond, I feel like Moore and I feel similarly about Bond, and, yeah. I, mm-hmm. and because Moore is kind of poking fun at the character while playing him, um, that makes the character more interesting, whereas yeah. I think that like Daniel Craig is playing Bond. And I like yeah. Daniel Craig. Mm-hmm. I think Daniel mm-hmm. Craig is good. Um, and I've liked the Daniel Craig movies largely, um, yeah. mainly Skyfall. But, like, I haven't seen... Okay, well, I've seen... Of the th- three that I've seen. Um, but I think that more is... One, the charm is so palpable. Yes. He's such a charming, likable actor he can deliver some pretty terrible lines of dialogue yeah. with finesse. It's because I think he's a good actor and he's got the charm, but also because of his approach to it, which is, hey, guys, audience, this is kind of stupid, right? Let's yeah. all enjoy this together. As opposed to like, oh, God, I'm saying this dumb thing. Or, oh, I'm going to – I don't realize this is dumb. I'm going to make it really cool. Yeah. He has that right balance. Yeah. And so, yeah, he, he's the one that I've enjoyed the most. Just watching him play is fun because I feel like he's actually playing. Which right. makes a character that I ultimately right. find pretty drab uh, interesting. Yeah. So yeah, no, I think like, Moore is awesome. I mean, Sean Connery, like maybe just because of sort of the blemish mm. of that those last few movies. Um, Particularly, you only live twice. Yes. I like. I I feel like you know as much as I appreciate him and like I I think he's a good actor and everything. I I don't think he might be. I mean, I think. Well, I think right right now he definitely is my bottom, my third. Mm. Um, just because with, La- like, with Lazenby being oh, the right, actual right. bottom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, I feel like I'm missing somebody. Um, that would be why. It's it's Lazenby not fair. It's not fair, but Lazenby is at the bottom. Yes. Um, but of the of the ones who got continued runs, at least, um, yes. Sean Connery is third right now in my Bond power rankings. Well, that's uh, the thing. We can argue about the quality of Roger Moore's movies. He doesn't change in terms of his performance. Sure, he's sure. he continues to have fun all the way through to the end. Yeah. So I yeah. think it's just for us. I think that's going to be something that helps us make yeah. it through. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. also, if we're supposed to buy James, if James Bond is a character that we in the audience are supposed to find charming and likable as a ladies' man who we're rooting for, Roger Moore has sold that the most easily to me. Mm-hmm. Where Craig is very cold, and I don't remember Dalton and Brosnan well enough, and I haven't seen any of Connery's. Right. But more Dalton's is... more like Craig, Brosnan's yeah. more like Roger Moore. Gotcha. Because Moore is just, like, yeah, I, I really just can't say enough how incredible, and that was the best thing I was going to, I was mentioning about how he's really my best thing, but that's such a, an overarching deal. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just think he's really fun to watch. Yeah, and and just so everybody, I, I want everyone to be kind of clear on my my relationship and my my opinions on Bond, and of course I'll I'll get to my best thing, my worst thing. I promise. Um, I don't believe you. Um, it's very much like Batman, where you know you can kind of do whatever version of this that you want because ultimately it's a spy fantasy so you can play that as really real and grounded and gritty like casino royale Mm -hmm. um or you can treat it bombastic and goofy like like a diamonds are forever and you know that movie's not great but it really worked for for me and tyler when we watched it Mm -hmm. sure um so you can kind of do it both ways uh i tend to prefer to prefer, much like Batman, I prefer the more realistic, grittier stuff. Um, just kind of, that's my personal preferences for the types of stories I like. But if you're going to do bombastic and, and cartoony, I'm not against that. You just have to do it well. Yeah. Um, and I I do agree with you. At least in Roger Moore's performance, he does a stupendous job selling that. Yeah. <laughs> Even if the movies don't really assist him that well in that area although live and let die did a decent he job just, i mean he's way more comfortable in the in these movies as well because like yeah the movie like i don't think that this and to some extent um live and let die are that different from uh diamonds are forever i i think probably most comparable to diamonds are forever but also oh yeah um, yeah you only live twice like i don't think the actual contents of the plot is that much of a change it's just that, like, Roger Moore is so much more comfortable having this role in this, like, just sort of insanity. Yeah. Um, and so much more, like, willing to, to buy in. Which is, I'm not blaming Connery for for at all. Because, yeah. like, by the end of it, I mean... Well, Connery, Connery also, signed on for an actual part. And yes. he signed on to be an actual actor in a movie. Yes. Not to be a part of a cartoon and, show. And he was, in at least the first few. And then, like, the other thing, too, is, I, I think with that, is that these Roger Moore movies, they aren't coming out nearly as quickly as the first few Bond movies or first few Connery movies right they're not coming out every year yeah and that would be the other and thing too after, is after this movie there's that. a three year break to get to Spy Who Loved Me right they took a they took a little bit of a hiatus exactly. because of the the backlash and all the financial issues that happened with this movie mm-hmm. Moore has done the most right he did eight he did seven he did seven so Technically, if we're just doing the official series, yes, he has done the most. However, Connery, with his unofficial movie, Never Say Never Again, ties Roger Moore gotcha, for seven. Gotcha. Okay. So, depends on if you want to count that or not. Sure. Um, obviously, we're doing that for the podcast, so I guess we're counting it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I tend to lean more on the Timothy Dalton, Daniel Craig, that sure. type of bond is kind of my preference, especially because it feels the most like the original books and kind of what Fleming intended. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're going to go weird, go weird, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I wonder how comfortably Ron... Uh, Ron. Ronald Moore. If Ron Moore, the creator of Battlestar Galactica... Um, <laughs> if, is he uh, the one that's in that one Portlandia episode? This is nothing probably. to do with that sounds like that sounds right. <laughs> uh, Roger Moore. I wonder how comfortable he would have been in a more Craigish movie. Not to say he can't play stuff straight and be mm-hmm. a very serious actor with gravitas, but well, it's funny you mention that because For Your Eyes Only is supposed to be sure. the attempt of his run to try and make it more grounded because gotcha. it was a direct response to just how out there Moonraker gets. Gotcha, uh-huh. gotcha. Um, 
the Bond movies are constantly cycling between, oh, let's be grounded and gritty, you know, like the original source material, then they get too big for their britches, they eventually just explode into madness, and they say, oh, let's bring it back. This happens over and over again, and I'm just like, why can't we just stay, like, the style of the books? Like, (laughs) I don't know. Um, or, Or just, like be smart with the people you get to write these movies like right. if you're gonna have somebody like like james gunn writing a james bond movie like because i feel like he would have the right tone and style sure. if we're trying to get weird and bombastic sure. that'd be the know? golden gun right there yeah there we go yeah. um so my worst thing kind of connects to all this my best thing like i said is is christopher lee he's amazing yeah um there's got to be an alternate reality where he's actually playing bond because um, I think Ooh. secretly he would have been the best James Bond ever. Probably. Um, and I really, really dig when they do a Bond villain that's supposed to be a semi-mirror of James sure. Bond. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, his personality, he's not that different from him. He's like Bond if he had absolutely no sense of morality. Like an Azrael. There you go, yeah. <laughs> um, or half the villains of the MCU. Ew. <laughs> sure. uh, but, but like, like Thanos and Ant-Man. There you go. Um, and, well, the, the the villains that tend to mirror uh, Bond like that tend to interest me more. Like like the Scaramanga, there's um, Silva, Javier Bardem, and Skyfall. Um, there there's a few sprinkled throughout the series. Even Red Grant in From Russia with Love sure. is very much like Bond. Um, I tend to like those villains quite a bit. Uh, so I really appreciated that, and yeah, I really want like a series of Bond movies where Christopher Lee is actually Bond. That sounds really cool to me. Um, There's an alternate universe where he played Bond and Gandalf. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There was an alternate, literally, where he played Bond and that made it, like, acceptable for him to play Gandalf instead of everyone thinking of him as the villain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So my worst thing is going to be going along with if you're going to get weird, get weird. This movie doesn't have really any memorable set pieces, aside from the the flip of the car. Yeah, and we'll get to yeah. that. And that's more of a but, singular stunt whoa. than a set piece. Exactly. Think of the rest of that set piece. Oh wait, you can't because they're just driving around for half an hour. <laughs> like yeah. there's there's not a chase really. Alex, would you say that if you want to get nuts, let's get nuts? Correct. Cool. This is an accurate statement. Gotcha. You need to stop breaking so many vases, dude. Every time you <laughs> want to make a point about Bond, you got to go to Pier 1. <laughs> it's, it, my, you my walk in and the, and the clerk Bond is like... are just intense, okay? You walk in and the clerk is like, recording another episode, huh? Yeah, yeah, you got an arm full of vase, armload of vases. <laughs> I think he has to do this multiple times per episode. <laughs> and and that, then I drop them all as I'm on my way out the store I just slowly look at the clerk and I say how many years of bad luck is that? (laughs) (laughs) And then it like closes on you. A Chuck Jones cartoon. Yeah, there we go. Um, This is how my life operates, people. It's it's alternating between that and then watching James Bond movies. (laughs) And then going to Dark Phoenix occasionally. (laughs) Occasionally? Oh, more than once. You've been been again. (laughs) Doctors recommend at least once a month. Oh, I see. I, I can neither confirm nor deny these allocations. <laughs> if the movie lasts more than four hours. <laughs> there you go. Um, Thankfully, it doesn't. Yeah, gosh. Um, 
But I'm just trying to think of, like, really memorable set pieces. It feels like so much of this is just repeating stuff that happened in Live and Let Die and really but a lot of good. the previous Bond movies. But like the boat chase. Yeah. yeah. The boat chase is... And, and maybe it's just because they're not really in high-speed boats. They're almost in dinghies mm-hmm. that just happen to be motorized. But it's not memorable but, aside from, like, Well, and that's the, the thing kid. is there's a way to do a slow... Like, uh, I don't know if you guys ever saw Sicario. Yes. Uh, you know what I'm talking when they're in the traffic jam? Yes. That's that's but, not a chase scene per se, but that's slow moving vehicles. That's incredibly tense. Yes. And that well that's because they do a good job building exactly. up the stakes yeah. and you know exactly what the threat is. This and, and that's that's the problem with when the Bond movies should get weird and bombastic, but they're not because the set pieces have a lack of imagination. Right. In these movies, Bond is invincible. There sure. are no stakes for me like, oh, is Bond in danger? Yeah. Um there's a there's an excellent scene in Thunderball, and that's like right on the tipping point of when Bond gets too bombastic, where Bond's shot in the leg, he's running around this parade, and they're like he's yeah. getting chased by all these bad guys, and it's very very effective. And they do a similar thing in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, where Bond's just on foot and he's about to get caught. Like that, that's just missing from this entirely. Yes. Like at no point was I really fearing for Bond. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and, and so I, yeah. and so like you kind of have to compensate for that by making the like the speedboat chase in Live and Let Die. That scene is spectacular. I don't feel any stakes for Bond, but but it's it's almost mm-hmm. like flashing lights, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. loud noises. Yeah. It's it's fun, it's distracting yeah. almost. Yeah, and I think of like the uh the parkour sequence at the opening of Casino Royale. Yeah. Which is a really great set piece. That whole sequence is really entertaining and creative and clever. Well, well that scene also tells us a lot about Bond without yeah. having him to say he doesn't have to say anything. Right. Whereas in in the uh, Golden Gun, I remember the fake out with the fake James Bond at the end. I remember the speedboat, the the flip rather of the car. Yeah. yeah. I remember like individual moments, the great crazy moments within the fight. I don't remember the entire fight. Mm-hmm. Right. Like pretty much for me, and and like I said, I, I have a bit of a soft spot for this movie. I. I this is one of the first ones I kind of got attached to when I was, uh, you know, figuring out Bond as a franchise. <laughs> figuring out your body. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so many comments we can make here. Let's We're not. We're, I'm just gonna. I, I, I'm put just that gonna. Aside. Yeah, no, that. sorry. Was, um, I just had. To, I couldn't leave that money on the table. <laughs> that's that's fair. That's fair. But like, I I think this one's like since it's one of the most mediocre ones, just because it's it's kind of. What are the main beats we need to have in a Bond movie to make it a Bond movie? Okay, sure. fine, just make it. Like that's the kind of feeling I get from the production. Yeah. Um. So like, it's got all the elements. They just they're not up yeah. to snuff. You know what I mean? And if this had been a crazy, crazy Bond movie, and Christopher Lee was playing that up, he would have, and he was obviously great. He would have been so cool in that. Yeah. Likewise, if they had gone, okay, we're just doing a super serious, cool Bond. Lee would have been awesome. Yeah, but instead they just kind of went here. You go. Sully is still really good, but right. And and I think this goes to like the the Scaramanga, like his island fortress. Yeah, those set pieces, like the sets are kind of lame. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like like uh, Scaramanga's like funhouse where he draws in his ass- potential you know would be assassin, yeah. and they've just got like. It's it's almost like at an arcade or something where they've got like those dummies that you would fire you yeah. know fake guns at. Yeah. Well, and in a good movie, they would all all those would be utilized. Really, it's like watching a horror movie and you see all these 
crazy characters and henchmen. Yeah. You're like, oh, I can't wait to see what they all do. But then they all die really quickly. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, no, I want, like, utilize the, the locations that you have. And you, you, you give us this conceit of... Or like Dark Phoenix when they're like, oh, hey, aliens. What are we going <laughs> to do with aliens? That'll be interesting. And then we see a guy with uh, mutant braids fighting Storm. Lobo? Who? <laughs> Um, who it's used Laurent the Dreadlocks Vampire? Yeah. <laughs> who used um? <laughs> who used uh, aliens better, Dark Phoenix or Crystal Skull? At least Crystal Skull had the balls to actually have them be aliens. Ah, sure. Crystal sure. Skull, best movie, says Alex. That's accurate. I mean, <laughs> no, I, critically I, speaking, I would give that a higher grade. I, I, I don't hate Crystal Skull. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I would. I mean, oh. I, I, I might hate Crystal Skull, but I still think that it might Crystal be. Crystal Skull <laughs> has a movie. coherent plot, and I can tell you what's happening and why. Dark Phoenix, it makes more sense than I thought it would, but I some, some parts had me scratching my head. I'm very excited for that. Well, that was because you had lice. Yes, that's, that is true. Because the movie gave it to you. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. that was actually... They, it came with the pop. <laughs> free, free, with, free with the ticket, like... Pack of lice? Here's That's your... the free Dark Phoenix uh, branded popcorn bucket. <laughs> with the Dark Phoenix brand packet of lice. <laughs> Somewhere Sophie Turner is rubbing her hands together and cackling. <laughs> First the coffee cup and now this. <laughs> this is what you get for thinking the final season of Game of Thrones was Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's my thoughts on the final season of Game of Thrones. Ayo. It's okay. Anyway, it's um, nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I think the most memorable set piece, like or you know, obviously the the best stunt is the car flip. But the only other set piece I really remember is like the karate fight. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's it. I mean, I remember that it happened. Yeah, there was some sword. And, and, and once again, th- this Bond is jumps the thing. through a window. <laughs> And this yeah. is the thing that I keep harping on. Around this time period, the Bond movies are very reactionary to just what's going on in pop culture at the time. So, like, Live and Let Die, it's a black exploitation movie. Uh, this movie is like, Bruce Lee's a thing. So they just throw in the karate stuff, even though it's there for a scene. It's not even, like, the plot of the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Moonraker's response to Star Wars. So they go into space, even though the book is not about space or lasers at all. There's that one Whatever. in the... And that was released in 1985, where he kills Mozart. That was a response to Amadeus. There you go. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't put it. There past was that one where he fought a bunch of gremlins, <laughs> and where he had to go back to the future. It was that was fun. the second Timothy Dalton movie is basically like a drug movie, like uh, uh, like Miami Vice or oh, something wow. like that. No, no, hold up. We have to we have to roll back here because you've already you've already I, I've stumped before for the possibility this is completely unrelated to this this i'm sorry alex i know i know that you're very interested in talking about this but i just have to it's okay. put this out there i feel like it's a terminator salvation type well, situation well, where this that. is a movie that i secretly want to talk about a lot but you guys are just like it's whatever <laughs> it's funny that you say that because i i have stumped often uh, i don't know when the last time i did it on the podcast was but i have mentioned it often at least at least in conversations that i want back to the future terminator Alien and Predator to be combined yep. into a franchise. Don't put the idea in my head that we should also include Gremlins because it works. It really does. Um, while you're at it, can we oh, just so Roger cute. Moore? Not even James Bond. Just throw in Roger Moore. Yeah. Roger Moore, the movie franchise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that might be another reason that I am so into his James Bond is because, by all accounts, he's a super. He was a super nice guy. Mm-hmm. 
And so that immediately makes me like Bond more because I'm like, right. even when Bond's doing problematic stuff, I'm like, but I bet when those cameras were off, he was super nice to everybody and respectful and cool. Whereas yeah. I've heard Sean Connery is maybe not as great a guy. Not like a monster, but you know, <sighs> sure. a little more of a jerk. A little more standoffish, maybe. He's, yeah. he's a bit misogynist. Let's yeah. just put it that oh, way. Yeah. Whereas Roger um, Moore, I, I, I hear, was much more of like a classy, you know, yeah. cool guy. And Daniel Craig is apparently like a super cool dude, too. Yeah. Which is great. Uh, for the most part, they're all really nice guys. The only ones with, like, question marks are, like, Connery and Lazenby. Yeah. Funny how Everyone else seems to be pretty pretty cool. Um, yeah, Dalton's awesome. Yeah. Dalton's awesome. Pierce Brosnan's awesome. Like, they're all yeah. really cool. Um, and I guess if you're trying to cast, like, somebody who's going to be, like, an international personality who's, like, this is the face of your franchise for, like, a decade plus... Mm. Yeah, you want At a like, certain point, you say, let's cast somebody who's not going to get in the headlines for, like, being a terrible person. Yeah, you want someone who's going to really make a good impression on talk shows and stuff. And, yeah. Which was maybe less of a thing in the 70s than now, certainly. But. Yeah. Uh, well, let's, yeah, talk, yeah. let's talk about the car flip, because there's two, there's two sides <laughs> yeah, let's, to that let's, let's get to the heart of the matter. This is, this is the let's, defining issue of the man with the golden let's, gun. Let's get to the thing that you've all been wondering. How do you tell your kids about the, con, the car flip and the man with the golden gun? <laughs> well, Tyler, I much, feel much like, like other conversations, you'll need a slide whistle. <laughs> Tyler, I feel like you should give us some context. <laughs> well, what, when, two, what exactly? when, two, all right. when so, two people love each other very much... <laughs> <laughs> and then it cuts to, to J.W. Pepper. Wow! Well, because here's the thing. First of all, it is a legitimately brilliant stunt. Very good. Yes, very Just speaking, they, 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 this car leaps over a river, does a, a whatever, 900 or whatever degree turn, lands on its wheels and keeps driving. It's a really impressive uh, stunt, just visually. But to yeah. punctuate it, they play a Hanna-Barbera slide whistle, which is amazing and... <laughs> completely unnecessary and irrelevant. This is yeah. not like a, a theme throughout the movie. It it simultaneously ruins the moment and possibly makes it one of the most memorable things Absolutely. ever. It's, it, was an, it was an incredible... Watching this movie with you guys was a ton of fun because this is the kind of movie that is a great hey, let's all just hang out and watch this movie together. Because right. there was enough to keep us talking about it and to keep us all engaged, but not enough that we were we were all always able to talk about other stuff and still pay. It was like the perfect balance. Right. But that movie, like that moment, I mean, Tyler and I both just like died. We just completely lost our minds. Well, I, I had to stop you all because I think we were like in the middle of the conversation. I think I you like, might guys, have. Guys, stop, guys, stop, 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 stop. stop. You might we have, have yeah. to witness this together as a group of friends. It was so great. Like I really loved that moment because that, that was the shot in the arm that that movie needed. For yeah. a brief moment. A brief, <laughs> brief shot in the arm. Yeah, it did not last as long as you would think it would. But just remember, no. like thinking on it, it's still great in my head. Like it's such a cool moment. Well, just just so everybody, you know, knows this, John Barry, who who did the score for several of these films, and I guess I don't know if he was in charge of like sound editing or whatever. He's the one that decided to put in that sound effect, and he has said since that that is the one regret he has, or his <laughs> biggest regret for any of the work that he's done. I'm just imagining this guy on Bond. He's, he's 84 years old, sitting in a bar, grizzled, <laughs> got, got a scar down one eye, and he's just like, man. He's, he's like Bond, just like sitting there yes. in, 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 during Skyfall after he's been shot, and he's just like, I'm going to grab a bottle, I hope you don't mind. <laughs> just like, why did I put that slide whistle in there? Berenice Marlowe walks over to him and just waves her away. 
There's a how, a, a how much do you know about fear? I don't care about fear's slide whistle. I um listened to it's a like really a noir movie about yeah, this man sure. who's like reconciling with. I listened to a really great podcast called Twenty Thousand Hertz that's all about sound in lots of different forms. They could do a whole episode on that moment because yeah. it's so. And I don't know why it's there. Like it doesn't even like. It's not like. Um, in a different movie, like I said, if they went really weird, sure, but that could work. But uh, the thing is, I, and like it, I mentioned, the Hanna Barbera, those sounds were wacky, but they also made sense for like when their feet are scrabbling and they're about to run, or if they slip on a banana peel right. and they hit, and they, it's the sound of an impact. And I get that. Why is a car turning a slide whistle? Like that doesn't make any son. Like that doesn't relate to the action at all. Yeah. No. 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 You're totally right. Like it's so, it's just this this mind boggle that I love so much. Again, like it's a great moment. <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to argue with you that that it's completely illogical. And like, oh my gosh, it's so well. Fantastic. My, my my favorite part of the moment, and what I, I like the stuff that comes before and after it. because yes. I like I like J W Pepper. He's obnoxious in this, and I kind of love it. I love that sure. he's back. He looked like um, – um, remember in Ed, Ed, and Eddie when they have a jawbreaker and their cheek would swell to like <laughs> ten times the size of their head? Yes. His cheek yes. was like that the whole movie. Oh, my god. Yeah. Um, I don't know whose idea it was to bring him back after the last one, but – The fans. Good on them, I guess. Uh, I love the moment where, where you know, Bond sets up the car to do the flip and, and J.W. Pepper's – you're not gonna. I sure am, boy. <laughs> you ever heard of evil can evil? And then he does it. Um, and then J.W. Pepper's reaction after the car does its flip, like he's like rocking back and forth because he doesn't. Have, he's not buckled in. Um, that's all just delightful. Uh, no no seatbelt can contain him. Yeah, <laughs> apparently not. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's just bizarre, and I don't know what to make of it. I'm trying to think of other like individual. Mo- I, I, I genuinely liked the fake out with the the Bond mannequin. Sure. Not like oh that was a master stroke, but I was like that's a cool. Well, it's nice you that know, they set it up at off. the beginning with yeah. with showing that the Bond mannequin and having oh he, Bond has been in Scaramanga sites like he knows who who he is right. Um, so that tries to create an air of of you know threat to it. Um, however, we, once again, we've entered kind of cartoon fantasy land where people just know who Bond is and know what he looks like. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, because they don't really show that, like, Scaramanga's got, you know, he doesn't have, like, a, 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 a what's that? What's that thing, a Brother Eye, that Batman has? Oh, like a computer system. Yeah. What's yeah. it called? Brother Eye. I think it's Brother Eye. Yeah. That sounds right. He doesn't have, like, one of those set up in his lair where, like, oh, okay, he's got camera. He just sort of does know who Bond is. Right. Well, it's even more confusing when you realize, oh, like, like the inciting incident is that M receives a bullet that says 007, and it's a golden bullet. So they're like, oh, Scaramanga is, like, he's hunt- on the hunt for you. Yeah. But then you realize, oh, Maude Adams is the one that sent the bullet because she wants Bond to save her from Scaramanga. So it's not even like Scaramanga was like actively involved trying to hunt down Bond. Like there's, yeah. I don't know. There's that air of threat is just gone. Yeah, I remember very little. About we were this. talking a lot through that initial briefing scene, <laughs> yeah. mostly because Bond. It, the best part is M's like, all right, tell me everything you know about Francisco Scaramanga, and then Roger Moore because Bond knows everything. 
and he's the perfect human being. Princess Dosteramanga, the Golden Gun Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> and like he's literally just listing off like his Spouting Pokemon stats. Great. <laughs> I, I almost feel like he should have like a Pokemon trading card of Scaramanga, and he's bit. just reading off. The, it's the, got like the, a the baseball background. card. It's Bullshit. Christopher yeah. Lee. He's got a got a bat slugged over his shoulder. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but then he goes, oh, he he is a, he also has a superfluous papilla, a third nipple, sir, and M's like. My God! And they talk about <laughs> it like, for like a minute. Yeah, I was a lot of that scene. I was watching the weirdly upholstered door. Yes, and, and <laughs> I ha- remember this. And hating the seventies very much. <laughs> why was that? Your I, I understand you were all on bubble. opium all the time, but like, why is this your interior, Britain? You you want me to you want me to ruin something for you? Um. So if you'll recall in Skyfall, M's like fancy like 21st century office blows up towards the beginning of the movie right, right. and at the end when Ray Fiennes takes over we're back in like the original oh. 60s and 70s office and that door is there <laughs> oh I gotta I that's gotta a thing that <laughs> guess I gotta rewatch Skyfall I'll be right back <laughs> <laughs> see like Skyfall perfect example that does a great job of mixing in the more serious yep. grounded character driven stuff that comes with Daniel Craig's movies and books while also having like really bombastic fun set pieces mm-hmm. and having a little bit of you know wink wink nudge nudge isn't this all just a little bit ridiculous yeah. like it it has a really good balance is that the one where he lands um, in the train and then fixes his cufflink or is that yes yes that's that, that. Okay. it's Skyfall yeah and I feel like this movie need like it's it's yearning for that type of feel yeah yeah, because um, because there's well there's some parts in this movie where it gets weirdly serious mm-hmm. where it shouldn't like there's a whole bit where he's like physically abusing Maude Adams's character yeah. to try and get information out of her like he's threatening to break her arm and apparently Roger Moore felt horribly uncomfortable well the whole time shooting that sure um, I'm like I feel like book bond would probably do this but at the same time like this doesn't fit Roger yeah. Moore or, yeah. or Roger this Moore bond version. Would not. I'll, gi- I'll give you a purple nurple. <laughs> <laughs> Two years superfluous, palpable. <laughs> that would have been great as if he had, if that had been part of Scaramanga's downfall, because it was otherwise <laughs> useless. Well, it was really literally like... the most pointless plot. I also did love when Bond was going undercover as Scaramanga, and he had a third one, but it was in a completely wrong part of his body. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, well, then high fat, he walks up to him and he's like, "Why are you here on my grounds? You must leave." And then, like Bond undoes his shirt yeah. and shows the fake third nipple, and he's like, "Ah, Scaramanga, come talk with me." And all the assumptions made there are just the worst. <laughs> yeah. There's only one person in the world who has one, and it's right. Yeah. Well, it's just strange because one of the defining physical characteristics of Bond in the books is that he has a scar down one of his cheeks. Huh. So I feel like you could just say, oh, in this movie, Scaramanga's the one with the scar on his cheek, and that's the physical defect that Bond uses to sneak into this place. Like, the fact that it's a third nipple... Whose idea was that, is is my question. (laughs) Francisco Scaramanga, the third nipple Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's just so strange. I don't know. I, I think I think Cubby was, was in the brainstorming <laughs> session. That hack. this was actually Harry Saltzman's movie. Apparently, they kind of uh, uh, switched off who was kind of in charge of production. Whenever they wrapped the movie, they said, "All right, that one's in the cubby." <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, 
I, I almost feel like it was so they could get that line in where doesn't somebody say like, oh, a third nipple? Some people think that's that's like a sign of immortality and like sec- ultimate sexual yeah. prowess. There's like some weird line like that. Do you <laughs> think that that was something somebody heard like on their vacation somewhere? And they're like, probably We're put that in the next Bond movie, or someone was like. Yeah, I think it's for sexual prowess. And he's, like, placing his hand on his chest. <laughs> just, like, looking away like, no, it's, like, really awesome. And I think he'd be, like, super cool if he had it. Little known fact, uh, Cubby Broccoli actually had a third nipple. And he was very insecure about it. Um, he, 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 he secretly had an inferiority complex yes. because of his third nipple. Yes. <laughs> I love Cubby. He's my new favorite what character. What does man look like? I bet he was kind of, like, good, good just, like, a little, like, a real doughboy. You know, just like yeah. a little homeless no, boy. No, that's accurate. Just like a little chubby doo-doo-doos. <laughs> Britain, that is the quote I need on the poster for this movie. Felicia he's, Day has a dog named Cubby. He's that's got a I'm real, picturing. like, probably has mafia connections look to him. But, like, yeah. also, like... He'll be representing like, your Tyler, district if, if, in the upcoming yes, Senate race. Yes, like a corrupt senator, corrupt Tyler, judge. if you'll recall, they somehow had to pull strings to get filming rights in... Uh, the late 60s in Vegas for Diamonds Are Forever. So... Oh. Cubby pulling the strings. For, for some reason, when I search Cubby Broccoli, it adds spaghetti on the end. I thought you were going to say it some... adds feet on the end. <laughs> <laughs> no, Cubby just... Broccoli husband. <laughs> Cubby, Cubby Broccoli Instagram. <laughs> Hey, this is Cubby Broccoli. I'm going to be uh, we're unboxing today. This is a uh, Hello Kitty uh, surprise pack loot crate. Let's see what we got in here. Oh, kind of a hefty one. Let's see. Going to pry this one open here. I like, I like this, this impression that's just like a very monotone. Like, like it's It sounds not... like Bill Murray from Caddyshack. <laughs> okay, well, first is a Karopi uh, pencil topper. That's pretty good. Put that on a pencil. If you can see that right there, put that up in the camera. Uh, this next one here is... Uh, <laughs> Britain, now I need you to do a series of like bad unboxing videos, but it's just you doing that voice. You mean unboxing videos? Because like I'm 30, I don't understand the internet anyway. I yeah. really don't understand why unboxing is any kind of trend. I don't get it. Oh, oh yeah, Tyler I, and I. Ha- I uh, I'm not going to speak for Tyler. I have no idea. I get pepper what, challenges. I get eat the weird doll or whatever. I get. <laughs> I get it when they're doing a stunt or they're like try not to laugh or whatever. I don't understand why it's like watch people open a thing that you already know what's in it. The uh, if anyone is familiar, <laughs> but do with... you ta- do you Britain? Do you really know what's in there? I don't. You're right. Hey, it's what if a what brand if... new boat mobile? Uh, <laughs> what if <laughs> Cubby did ASMR <laughs> and it's just him like rubbing a piece of broccoli against a microphone? <laughs> I just feel bad because Cubby Broccoli's been dead for like twenty years. Hey, this is... That's that's the statue of limitations. We're fine. We can hey, everyone, <laughs> we is... can just stomp all over his grave. This is Cubby oh, Broccoli, and uh, we're just gonna be doing my Pokemon ASMR. <laughs> okay, what kind of Pokemon is this? Oh, oh, this one's kind of slimy. <laughs> what is? That? I think this. What, what is think... happening? I think this is a. I think this is a poison type Pokemon. Oh, all right, Britain. Oh, it's a Grimer. Let's I need, see I need to pause this right coming. here. <laughs> Britain, I need you to pause it. I need you to do this exact same bit, but doing a Sheriff J.W. Pepper impression. <laughs> Hi, 
Hey, what's up, everybody? This is J.W. Pepper of the Louisiana State Police. Welcome to my my J.W. SMR. We're gonna be. <laughs> I'm going. I'm gonna be brushing my toothbrush against a a, a hairbrush. Um. All right, the, so that was a thing. The McElroys, real quick, the McElroys once did a bit, McElroy Brothers once did a bit about Larry the Cable Guy ASMR. They're just going like, I apologize. <laughs> <coughs> well, now that we've successfully put our audience to sleep or <laughs> helped them discover something about themselves. There's a car that <laughs> flies in this movie. That's mm-hmm. accurate, isn't it? Yeah, like in Greece. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Yeah. Now, one thing that I think is kind of strange, and I'm not sure if this is like an actual connection or not, mostly just because Christopher Lee, bad guy escaping the heroes at the last second, is it supposed to be in Attack of the Clones at the end when Christopher Lee escapes? Is it supposed to be a riff on this? <sighs> yes. All right, moving on. Given that George Lucas also poorly used uh, Asian situations in those movies. <laughs> there you go. Well, I, I do really. like how... If you're going to have a character Wait. who's constantly like insulting people because, because of their race or whatever, and he's just going to be you know, just saying the worst things, sure. at least Sheriff J.W. Pepper, he's treated like an idiot. Right, right. The movie is condemning that behavior. And, like, the, the scene where he's like, what, have you you people have never seen an airplane before? And and very clearly, like, they're staring off at it because they know what it is, because yeah. they're smart, and yeah. he's just oblivious. Um, I do like that they, they kind of cut it off, and, and, like, he's out of the movie. So was... He's, he's yeah. really only in one sequence, and then you could argue two. Yeah. I mean, he must have, honestly, and this isn't a joke, he must have tested really well after the first movie, because there's no reason yeah. for him to be there. Oh, it's it's totally it's totally a uh, at least the producers liked him on the yeah. last one, so yeah. we got to bring him back. Um, Sorry, guys, I'm looking up Star Wars third nipple. I'm not, finding, <laughs> not finding really anything. Uh, oh, that's Boss Nass. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I was gonna say Kit Fisto, but Boss Nass makes a little way more sense. Sure. <laughs> the head How do you the, think he got to be the head of, of the Gungan Council or whatever that is? He's got magic powers with that third nipple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got the force. He's always a bigger nipple. <laughs> <laughs> Can we make a Star Wars podcast that's called that? <laughs> and just no explanation do. ever as to why it's called that. We'd attract <laughs> a very you we would, this specific episode. We would attract a very specific demographic. <laughs> and we're we're talking. All right, pros and cons of The Last Jedi. And they all think we're talking about that area on the Death Star. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Oh, so it's like inverted or... <sighs> we are right. having a hard time talking about this movie. <laughs> I don't remember... And, and look, if we had, if we recorded closer to the viewing, I would have had more to say. I don't know if I would have had more to say. <laughs> you know what I mean? And this is yeah. like... I don't know. This is... Like we said, it does feel so disjointed, and there's just scenes put together. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it feels like it doesn't know what it wants to be. It, yeah. it, it feels, it feels like 
it's just the next James Bond movie. It, it doesn't right, yeah. feel like it's got a soul or really like a purpose. Like it doesn't have a mission statement. And I know? and I keep wanting to bring up the Bond women just to like include them, but I really don't know what to say about them. You know what I mean? Well, like, aside from the fact that Bond Brit sleeps... is attractive, but she's completely pointless. Oh, they're and both beautiful. Played yeah. as an idiot. And Bond sleeps um, with one, and while the other and is Maude Adams's character seems interesting, but then she's just abused and then killed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How yeah. does she die? Uh, Bond goes to the sumo wrestler match. Oh, no, no, it's not a sumo wrestling match. He goes to the boxing match. Right. Or kickboxing match, and then she's just sitting there with a bullet in her chest. Yeah. Yeah, the chest, And somehow Scaramanga and Knickknack were able to sneak her in there, or maybe they shot her before then. They did a whole weekend at Bernie's thing, like, oh, honey, you're so... Oh, she's already been pre-gaming. Come on, honey. (laughs) Pre-gaming for the sumo wrestling. Let me wipe that ketchup from your chest. Look at you. You shouldn't go to... I almost mentioned a local restaurant and gave away our location. Oh, my God. It's Anchorage, Alaska, by the way. Exactly. Um, <laughs> the ketchup shack. The ketchup shack. Not the burger shack. The ketchup Yeah, shack. we just get different ketchup. You like, just drink ketchup. It's, just Dijon ketchup. It's, uh, like they've got, a, they've got like kind of a ketchup fountain. Like it's a like uh-huh. soda fountain. And, but it's and, like, and if, you, if you want a little uh, variety, they have tomatoes as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're not even mustard. Just whole tomatoes. My favorite tomatoes. is uh, Sergeant J.W. Pepper's homestyle uh, family ketchup. <laughs> it's a, uh... and it doesn't even put peppers in it, which is right there. Just sure, left it on the sure. table. JW is is there a little uh, post a note on every single bot bottle that says for whites only? Wow, <laughs> <laughs> just went right for it there, didn't it? <laughs> what do we think the JW stands for? Just white. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, this is great. Just white pepper. <laughs> um. Okay. That's <laughs> also, it's interesting that they bring in Lieutenant Hip, the the Asian cop who helps mm. Bond, the coolest, cop and then in he's the Bond just universe. gone. Yeah, yeah. After, I, I think he shows up briefly before Bond actually goes to Scaramanga's Island, but he's he's not enough. Like he's not in this movie hardly at all. Yeah, I've forgotten about him. Yeah. I don't know. There's there's just so many weird plot elements. Like like it, it really does feel like it's just a whole bunch of elements thrown together. Yes. And, and like I said, they're, they're trying to do like a Bruce Lee karate thing, and that's why we have the karate school scene, which is kind of cool, but at the same time, what? It's not cool it, enough to it, warrant a random moment. It does tie into like as a larger thought on that. Like it ties into I think to the fact that like going back to. Um, you only live twice. Yeah. Uh, where both are about Bond going to Asian countries and interacting with Asian peoples in, you know, like all sorts of capacities. I don't know. Like, it's an excuse to explore their culture. Exactly. Like, and that's the thing I, I, I wanted to, to point out is that, like, is I feel like it's really uncomfortable to us to watch these movies more so than, say, uh, Live and Let Die was. Mm. Even though Live and Let Die is. That admittedly offensive like it's you know yeah. hard to really get around that but it is let's, let's, let's just say dated <laughs> yeah um but the thing with that is that like at the time like race and and sort of um like obviously civil rights everything what like that that was a big topic i guess a big issue in 
America. I don't really know how. I mean, it's it's more important than that. I don't know how to describe it. Um, but like that, you know, that as a concept, like just just tackling that sort of thing, and obviously like black exploitation was a, a genre at the time. Yeah. Um, all of that was very like explored at the time. Obviously, it has not or had not come nearly far enough. Um, but, but it was very much of the zeitgeist, and it, yeah. and and so like that was something where is it racist? Yeah. Um, but I understand why they did it, and even without. It doesn't feel like watching it today. It doesn't nearly like make me like ooh, you know, just just sort of like sit back and be like they really did that, and I'm mm-hmm. watching it um, as much as like you only live twice did with the the basically Asian blackface, like, yeah, the yellow face. Yeah, um, it's you, I think it's a, it's an element of like this was something, and probably spinning out of World War Two as well, mm. um, where like. Asian culture was sort of not really respected in the sure. U.S. at this time, and you know, like the, I, I feel like these two movies specifically really suffer for the fact that while a lot of the other movies where Bond is going to foreign countries or going to the Caribbean, things like that, yeah. they do a more interesting job of trying to be like, oh, here's like some cool elements of the culture, and like you know, we're kind of working these in. Right. Or like, I feel like there is a lot of very offensive portrayals in these two movies. Because they're not really respecting the culture and, and trying to actually right. do anything really interesting with it, they're much um, more comfortable, and they're and they're being reductive in the other movies as well. But almost because they don't know not to be, right? And here it's like they're being intentionally reductive. Yeah, it's just like ah, it's fine. We can just sort yeah, of who cares set the movie here, that. and it'll be fine. Right. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Like a lot of old movies, you do have to kind of watch through your hands, mm. and sometimes it is purely a they I mean they should have known better but they didn't and sometimes it's like no you even for then you should have known yeah. Yeah. like that's like the the time period is never an excuse because it's always mm-hmm. it's always too late you know like none of this should like racism and all this stuff never should happen but understanding where we were in time it's like there's a context for it yeah. but there are cases where you're like no you just, you, by, by any metric this yes. is gross and to be clear this one's not nearly as bad as you only live twice mm. um, and well, sure yeah because no one's actually <laughs> yeah, pretending yes. to be yeah. and and there is like they do try to, they're like oh here's karate and sumo and it's like okay well this is yeah so, although there is sumo wrestling and you only live twice as well um, but like I don't know it, it's still I, it doesn't I don't feel like I mean with the fact that J.W. Pepper shows up and he's using racial slurs in yeah. stations. Like, and it's just like, oh, I guess we're doing this. Cool. But doesn't James Bond push a kid into the water? At he one does. Point? Yeah, he does. Uh, there's yes. a kid who's trying to sell a, a, a toy or a wooden yeah. elephant. Like the, it's on, actually a pretty funny moment. It is. Oh. And it, it really reminded me of the kid in Hurt Locker who keeps trying sure. to sell <laughs> Jeremy Renner the DVDs with real Hollywood special effects. And I was that, like... That kid has a much... No, he... Never, never mind. I'm forgetting how how Hurt Locker well, like what happens to that kid. Yeah, really. It's a dark movie. Yeah. yeah. The man with the golden gun. <laughs> um, but uh, what I was eventually trying to get to um, was that the other main element of this movie trying to be like relevant at the time that it was released, uh, the energy crisis plays a semi-role in the plot. This movie basically is two plots, and they kind of bash together wildly. Mm -hmm. Um, So you've got the one plot of Bond is trying to hunt down Scaramanga, and it's kind of a cat-and-mouse game. Um, 
but then you have weird moments like when when Bond gets attacked by the two sumo guys when he's pretending to be Scaramanga. Uh, Bond is getting his back crushed and he grabs the sumo wrestler's butt. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then he that gives him funny. a wedgie. Uh, and then they eventually just knock like Nick Nack just shows up and knocks Bond out, and then they're like, "Oh, take Mr. Bond to the karate school." I'm like, "Why don't you just kill him?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Scaramanga, do you want to kill this guy or not? Like, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so you have that plot, which I think should just be the plot of mm-hmm. this cat-mouse game between Bond and a master assassin. Um, almost like a Bane in, in, in you know, the original uh, Nightfall, where, where mm-hmm. Bane's like, oh, Batman's like the ultimate prey. I, I want to break this guy. Yes. Like, if you had that type of thing, I think that would be really cool for Bond. Um, and then they have the, the energy crisis plot, which is basically they have this this solar energy device that everybody's after, and somehow Scaramanga ends up with it. And he creates a bunch of solar-based weapons with it, and he's just going to sell them off to the highest bidder? Mm-hmm. I'm like... Master Assassin has a bunch of solar guns. Like this, I, this doesn't fit, and and I I don't know. The, sure. Those elements did not work for me. And sure. and then the whole the whole like last twenty minutes of the movie where Bond's trying to take out the Solex in the machine before like the yeah. laser goes off or whatever. Because and, and, the Bond girl and Goodnight throws pushes her. Goodnight pushes her butt against the button, yeah. and that causes the the solar energy to come in. Yeah, uh, and she, none of it works. she she throws a man into a vat of dry ice and it blows up the island. <laughs> um, that happened. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like they should. I, like I, I know they were trying to be timely. Um, that's not the first time Bond has has done that, and it won't be the last. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like they should have just ditched the solar energy plot if they were trying to do. Um. A plot that's about a master assassin that's right. after Bond, like do one or the other, like not both. Yeah. I, I I feel like they're too dissimilar to try and combine them. Um, I will say, just as a kind of a, a side note, um, yeah. didn't did you say that there is like a Bond video game that attempted to like combine a lot of different elements of like like have mo- or or maybe there was a concept for. The Bond video game that had, like, multiple villains yes. throughout the... Um, so it's called GoldenEye Rogue Agent, and you play an MI6 agent who works with together with Bond until Bond gets killed. You get blamed for it. You get ousted from MI6, and so you end up becoming a bad guy, and you join... It, it, it's like a war between Goldfinger and Dr. No. You join Goldfinger's side, so you're working with, like, Pussy Galore... Uh, odd job. I think uh, Scaramanga is basically your cue, mm-hmm. and he actually part of the the mission where Bond dies, y- y- like half your face gets blown off or whatever, and you lose one of your eyes, so you get a golden eye. Interesting. Um, and then you're fighting like Doctor No, and and like Fomka uh, and- Johnson's character from Golden Eye shows up, like like it, it, that that kind of idea. And I think Blofeld's in there somewhere. And you said that the game is dumb, right? Like it's not very. The good. game is terrible. It's the most generic like third person shooter nonsense that just keeps going. Like there's no that concept should be the coolest thing ever, and it's right. just so generic and bland. That's sort of what I was thinking of just 
like this concept, the concept of Blofeld and um, the, just some of the, the other villains we've had. Yeah. Like, I'm imagining a world in which they try to make, like, they start over, wipe the, the slate clean, try to make a cool, sort of grounded, um, probably Nolan-inspired, uh, Bond, if not, you know, directed by Nolan, um, Bond movie, not universe, because obviously I, I don't think there's any real need for Bond spinoffs. I, I'm sure we'll get one at some They've point. They've tried it. Um, and I'm sure they will succeed at least. Halle Berry's existence in Die Another Day is to try and give right. that character a spinoff. Right. I'm, I'm sure they will eventually succeed in creating a spinoff. Um, it won't work, but they will succeed they, in creating The movie it. itself will exist um, in some form. But my, my point is that, like, I'm thinking. Of, I'm just imagining a series of Bond movies where, like, you have an escalation. Uh, like knowing knowing all the cast of characters that you're working with, and and all the villains and the, the most popular villains and the coolest villains and like these cool concepts. Yeah. And and knowing like where you can actually like starting from the beginning so that you know unlike I mean it sounds like the books kind of are meandering a little in in the same way where it's it's there's a lot the same well, way it, as the it, movies where. Each one's just supposed to be a separate adventure right. for the most part. Right. They're not. It's not supposed to be like like a Game of Thrones where it's like this is all just one continuous yes. story. Yes, that's that's not really what they're going for until but, you get to the last few. Right. Well, that's sort of my thing. Is that like imagine like if you you sort of compressed all that and turned it into like a a, a real like sort of franchise where and yeah. I, I don't necessarily like teasers like this, but I'm imagining it. You you do like a Casino Royale to start off the the, the movie. And then at the end, you have, like, Scaramanga is, uh, you know, finds out about Bond, and he's like, oh, I've got to uh, go try and catch him, or go, you know, yeah. hunt the Or Spectre, Spectre puts a hit out exactly. on Bond, and so you draw in a whole bunch exactly. of assassin characters that I'm show up in about, Bond you movies. Have, well, you get Winton, you know, Mr. Winton, Mr. Kidd, yes, you get Scaramanga, yes. you get you get like, Silva, you, you get a whole bunch of different characters. You actually characters. make Bond sort of making a name for it, like have Bond be like he is undercover until a certain point and he does something that lets yeah. the criminal underworld know about him and then you and have... then after that point he is continuously going rogue yes exactly and then you have <laughs> you have a, a sort of a, a series of or a sequence where you you show these like new imaginings of these classic villains yes as like oh they you know they they are, they are aware and they're they're going after him they find found out you know maybe who foiled their plans before they just want to scaramanga wants to have the greatest hunt or like i that's a really interesting concept to me of like having like re rearranging these this cast so that they're all uh contemporary it's not it's not just like dragging along like oh we're using this guy now or we're creating a new villain or whatever like redoing all that and having it be like an actual continuity with bond having a character of some sort and like an actual sort of through line of oh you Bond's mean having them have quote. a plan yes exactly um and i think that would be extremely interesting yes and that is one of my two ideas of of a reboot post daniel craig for bond the other of which is just doing straight up adaptations of the books sure except Changing things here and there when you need to, to be more of of the current day. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I, I I one of the really missed opportunities I think that's in this movie is the relationship between Scaramanga and and Bond. Um, 
because they almost kiss. <laughs> they're back to back at a certain point, so they're close. That's not really that close <laughs> to kissing. They gotta. What do you think about it? I mean, you got to face in the wrong direction. I mean, first of all, I mean, like you know, you got an avatar that like. <laughs> they got the ponytails. Like, you know, it's... Could yeah, that's be. right. Yeah, the reveal that Scaramanga's a Navi. <laughs> uh, but I feel like they're almost... In certain spots, There, it's almost like a Batman-Joker scenario. Mm-hmm. Where... Like, the bit at the beginning where, where... Or, not at the beginning, but... When Bond shows up to the island in the third act. And it's not at the Scaramanga... What? Again, that's, that's opposite not, of the... That's not at the beginning at all. I know, I know, I know. Do you understand scar- what close Yeah, no, the back beginning. <laughs> I am losing my brain cells. It's fine. We're fine. We all are. It's Synapses okay. are misfiring. Um, but uh, Scaramanga pops the uh, cork off of the champagne bottle that uh, Nick Knack is holding mm-hmm. with his gun. And then he's he's just like whimsically walking up. He's like, now I'm an unarmed... An arm, uh, I can talk. Now I'm an unarmed man, Mr. Bond. I know you won't shoot me in cold blood. Like, he's messing with him. He's taunting him. Um, and then they have that pretty good conversation over dinner um, where, where they're discussing kind of Bond's morality and why Scaramanga thinks there's the same and, and why Bond, you know, doesn't think that. I'm like, that should be what the movie's about. Yeah. Why is this, like, one conversation or, like, half a conversation? Because that's really interesting to me. Because yeah. they don't, for the most part, at least in the original movies pre Daniel Craig, they really don't handle. Yeah, Bond's just like a cold blooded killer. Like he does yeah. what he has to do because he believes in queen and country and he wants to get the job done. But they don't really challenge him on how he feels about that. It's like the opposite you know? of Logan or Dark Knight, where there's a conversation yeah. that sums up the movie's theme as opposed yeah. to suggests an alternate theme. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it really does come off as and we need filler, we need dialogue filler. Which is how a lot of those scenes come out in Bond movies. Uh, I feel like Dr. No had one like that. Uh, very, yes, and it was the similar. most interesting bit of the movie. Um, Goldfinger has a little bit of that. Like, I feel like there's a lot of, here is an interesting conversation that makes the movie seem like it had a lot more ideas than actually made it onto the film. Well, that's something straight out of the novels because there's a lot of cases where there's just like whole chapters where it's just a conversation between Bond and the bad guy and just discussing their worldviews. Mm-hmm. Um, so it feels like they're trying to pluck from that just a little bit, right? It's like just just smear it in there just a little bit. I don't know. The movie's not weird enough to be to be fun in that way and it's not serious or interesting enough to you know be taken seriously yeah my to sort of sum up my feelings on it this this was a movie that i had a lot of fun watching with you guys because like i said there was enough to riff on and to keep us engaged but also not enough that i felt we couldn't break from paying attention and we'd lose stuff right i don't and i was consistently engaged with the movie i had a lot of fun watching it i don't think i would have had that same fun if i were watching it by myself at home And I think I would have missed those moments of zany fun because I would have gone. I think honestly, I would have zonked out pretty early and have spent the rest of the movie like researching other movies on IMDb or something. Right. Just yeah. like, well, this is making me think of a bunch of different movies that I'd rather be watching. I'll go watch the Vavitch or something. 
that's a all right that's all right that's a that's a turn um but there's other elements in the movie that are really like there's really cool individual scenes that i like like when bond goes to confront the guy who makes all of the weird guns and he makes uh scaring his bullets that's a really fun scene and they've got the, the the gun um that's made for a guy who's missing some of his fingers and like the, there's an actual right, setup right. and payoff with that yeah, in terms of good. bond threatening him with that gun um that's a really cool scene and and like you're saying tyler if we're gonna if we were to do like this this very interesting like we're gonna reinvent all of the classic bond characters and we're gonna make it like this cohesive series mm-hmm. like things like that would make it really like the john wickness of it yes. trying to build on the world and explain it you know is John I, I really Wick think the actual good Bond uh, franchise ooh yeah probably <laughs> I mean John Wick's the good anything well, franchise sure good the Toy thing Story that John Wick is missing uh. <laughs> that Bond movies have is John Wick's never really going on a mission I would sure like in, like it's mostly just like he's getting attacked and then revenge yeah he's reacting yeah a lot of it is him reacting. I, I guess the second one kind of, because the first half of that is him going on a mission. Mm-hmm. So that's the closest we would get, but I don't know. Eh, maybe, no, no, maybe you're right, because in the third one, like when he goes to Morocco or wherever mm-hmm. with Halle Berry, mm-hmm. um, that's kind yeah. of them going uh, on a mission. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're, you're winning me over on this. Winning me over on you've, this. You've, you're, we are, they are slowly setting up, and uh, I mean, they're making a fourth one, but they, they seem to be slowly setting up like a cast of, of characters and, and strange like kind of some of them are are uh sort of not not on this the good or bad side necessarily some of them are in between i want Lawrence fishburne in a bond movie that's what i'm saying like that'd be like, awesome there's there, i that feel like there's great he should play uh, felix that'd be good um yeah and then he should be replaced in the next movie by like jake gyllenhaal or something just like <laughs> I feel like that actually or, would not be the strangest transition <laughs> between Felix actors that we've had in these movies. We go from Lawrence Fishburne to Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal would to, actually be a pretty cool Bond villain. To, he would be. Uh, to Keanu Reeves. <laughs> we just yeah. uh, continue just like... Yeah. Well, because I feel like just for the longest time they haven't really had and, and capitalized on a villain who matches Bond not just in terms of like intelligence but also in fit mm-hmm. you know being physically fit like Mads Mikkelsen not really a physical match to Daniel Craig's Bond um, mad about Mads Matthew Almerich right from Quantum of Solace yeah. like he's sure. not a physical match that's a fun fight scene between the two of them but I'm like yeah. Daniel Craig's gonna win um, Christoph Waltz is obviously not a physical match Silva, they don't really get into a tussle, so that's not really a thing anyway. Yeah, it's sort he, of he's like not a, a combatant himself. It's sort of like it, it yeah. would have been really interesting if, like, I mean, it's it's the Red Grant thing, where like Red Grant was a great yeah. Bond villain. Red Grant is the perfect example of this. I think that that is the best be, version of this, yes. aside from maybe Goldeneye. But I'm not going to get into Cause that because I don't want to spoil too much. He's supposed to be very clever, but also he is like stronger than Bond. Like he he yeah. looks bigger than Bond. It's it would yeah. be like if Dave Batista was the villain of Spectre, and like he was played as like a actual sort of. Now I'm just imagining Dave Batista's blowfell. I'm like, that's a better idea. Uh, yeah, you're not wrong. Britain, we're locking it in. Dave Batista was blowfell the whole time. I still don't know what a blowfell is. 
It's a it's a fish. Uh, it lives yeah, that's in the exactly ocean. where I was going. Um, it's like it's a type of fish. I think if you eat it, you die. <laughs> Much like Christoph Waltz. Uh, it's poisonous oh flesh. Yeah, really. I believe it. Um, I don't know. Do we need to talk about the Bond girls any more than we already have? I, like, the movie doesn't really allow. <laughs> yeah, the movie is not expecting us to care. Yeah, they're gross. Like, they're pretty. The end. I mean, not, like, the, the treatment of them where... is gross. <laughs> Sorry. There's the scene where uh, <laughs> gross. There's the scene where Bond's having dinner with Goodnight, and by the way, she's his secretary in several of the books. Uh-huh. She's not like an active agent on the field. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. also, this movie is very different from the book. This book was the last one written by Fleming, and he only completed the first draft before he died. So it's it's not a complete piece, um, but it's completely different. Um, there's the scene where they're having dinner, they're about to like have a toast, and he says, "Oh, well, we don't know. You know, you and I could be on opposite sides of the world." in a year like I, I like that little bit of dialogue and interplay between the two of them where it's it's Bond actually talking to a girl not just about the mission mm-hmm. which I feel like is just missing from most Bond movies he's like progress yeah um, but then he just shoves her in a closet because he's got to have sex with Maude Adams sure. so <laughs> I don't know um, the movie is deeply flawed I'm not I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not going to argue against it, even though I, I I enjoy it despite its flaws, mostly because I see all the elements in there that I really like, and I can kind of latch onto those to get me through it. Um, what did I give Thunderball? Uh, C minus. Yeah, do you guys want to jump into letter what, what did I give? Uh, well, do we need to talk about the theme song first? <laughs> it's it's Yeah, it's great. Uh, what did I give Diamonds <laughs> Are Forever? No, not Diamonds Are Forever. That's bad. What did I give... Um, I gave you only live twice in F, right? Correct. Hmm. Hmm. Quite. <laughs> I'm going D. I'm going to do the same thing. Okay. <laughs> That's yeah. what I figured. I'm going to go D+. Plus. Uh, yeah, I, I I can still have fun watching this movie. Uh, yeah. I, I will watch this again at some point. Oh, I had a really but... fun time watching it with y'all because I was watching it with y'all. Right. Yeah. Which it, which I will say, when we watched You Only Live Twice, that was not fun. Like, it was fun for a little <laughs> and, while. And, and it, then it, it was... It was yeah. Tyler, myself, and Joseph all watching it. Joseph fell asleep. <laughs> he literally fell asleep. More than once. <laughs> and, and Tyler and I were just going, we, we, want, we want to just blow our brains out. This movie is a nightmare. Yeah, like halfway through, we were like, this isn't fun anymore. <laughs> what have we done? Yeah. So, it's got, it's not there. I, I I I've said this before and I will say it again. I don't I don't think any movie for me is going to be worse than You Only Live Twice. That sounds that is about right. Just me. That's, that that seems like a good baseline. Um <laughs> The worst movie ever. Good baseline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um But yeah, next week will really be the That's the real measure for how you feel about Roger Moore and his series of movies, because that's kind of it doesn't get higher than The Spy Who Loved Me. Interesting. Higher in yeah. what sense? Um, being a good movie. <laughs> gotcha. Um, so for you, Our Eyes Only is not good? It's a mixed bag. It's, it, it, 
it's kind of a detriment I'm, trying to be a bit more grounded and real when it's Roger Moore. I'm very worried about getting into those, and like you were saying with Timothy Dalton, I'm, I'm very worried about that kind of uh, perspective on the Bond franchise with these... I mean, sort of like I was with Honor Majesty's Secret Service, I was just like, nope, don't like it. <laughs> um, yeah. That I'm, I'm very concerned about how much I'm going to hate myself as we watch those next, some of those, like... I feel like that's not going to go well. The one I'm really curious about is A View to a Kill. Sure. Because that movie is just utter nonsense. See that? I'm Roger Moore's like 60 years old, and Christopher Walken's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And Grace Jones is the henchman, mm-hmm. or henchwoman, excuse me. It's it's bonkers, and I, I'm fascinated. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm excited. You can find us online at herecomesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HCTSequels. Uh, you can find us on iTunes if you search Here Come the Sequels. And there's another one. The Gmail? Did I say the Gmail? Blogspot? Uh, Twitter? Um, the, <laughs> go, to your, go to your search engine, type in Here Come the Sequels, yes. and then just see what happens. Uh, preferably Ask Jeeves. Yeah, ask, just ask Jeeves. Uh, Here Come the Sequels. And he'll say, hey, your podcasts. Uh. See, that would be an excellent service, though. Like, if Ask, if Ask Jeeves, like, rebranded and they were like, we're going to read off your results. <laughs> I, it's yeah, a groany like man Cain. just hands you a yeah. podcast. <laughs> the man who put the slide whistle in uh, <laughs> this movie. Michael Caine. It, Michael, no, Caine. It, Michael Caine. It, it, no, it intercuts between John Barry, Cubby Broccoli, and Roger Moore. Yeah, it just like, sort of, you know, picks picks and chooses. Okay. Well, so the, so next week is The Spy Who Loved Me? Your search results yeah. are as special to me as your <laughs> Spy Who Loved Me, starring Mila Kunis and Kate McKinnon. Oh, God, no. Sure. I heard no. those pretty... Isn't that... I heard those The fine. Spy Who Dumped Me? Yeah. Or some, yeah. Some, yeah. I heard yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. I, I think it, I think it got like, fine reviews. Mila Kunis is funny. Especially in Jupiter Ascending. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> movie sucks oh god <laughs> or as I call it hotel for dogs <laughs> cause he's a dog man in it he's looking for a pla- well Channing Tatum he's looking for a place to, to stay to lay low mm-hmm. and the whole time Eddie Redmayne's just like these crazy kids and their dogs need to get out of my hotel I, uh, I recently same- watched these crazy I recently watched uh, Les Miserables. Need to get out of my hotel! I recently watched Les Miserables, the, 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 the movie version. Oh, uh, the Hugh Jackman? Uh, which version? Yes. Mm. Um, which, I, which was interesting. Yeah. Uh, that was a strange experience. Yeah. But Eddie Redmayne showed up at some point, and I was like, is this what like normal Eddie Redmayne... Like, he's, he's, he's pretty good. Like, he saw it. You know? yeah. he's, he's, he's having to sing, and I don't know if that's really his forte, but it's fine. Like and much he was like, just doing yeah. a nor- doing an Eddie Redmayne, and I was like, "All right." And much is, like in every other Eddie Redmayne performance, he always looks like he's about to cry. That's correct. He has water pooling in his eyes in every scene of every movie he's yes. in, and that actually works for a character like Newt Scamander, who mm-hmm. we're supposed to like, like, and we're supposed to think is kind of cute and adorable. Uh, and it but, works for Marius, in, but yeah, not really, not evil yeah. emperor man who's supposed to be threatening. And the Eddie Redmayne performance that I like. There are a theory of everything. I still need to see that. It's a very good movie. I like it a lot. Yeah. 
Last last week I recommended a Turkish coming of age film. This week I'll recommend the theory of everything. <laughs> a little more mainstream. It's a biopic that I think does a pretty good job. There's uh, a lot to be discussed about the casting of a non-disabled person, but I think sure. you know he does a really good job with it. Uh, there's also a lot to be said about the treatment of the two sides of the love story, but I do think that in terms of giving the actors meat, uh, Felicity Jones Literally, and Eddie Redmayne uh, have through mutton at them. Literally through mutton at the, the both recording of, them. of the film. They both have a lot to do, and Felicity Jones is fantastic in that movie. She's really, really good. Uh, also, if you don't want to watch that because it's a, a boring Oscar bait movie, <laughs> Felicity Jones is in Star Wars, so let's watch it because she's a, in Star Wars. You remember Star Wars? What a, what a swerve. I think of, of the boring, quote-unquote, Oscar bait movies that year, The Imitation Game is the boring one to me, in that I felt so sure. during it. I found Theory of Everything actually very involved. Imitation Game was very... I, I mean, I don't, Benedict Cumberbatch I don't is good. Feel like, but. I don't feel like I properly set up my bit with the correct amount of context. I was pretending to be a crazy Star Wars fan uh, there. Oh. It was not properly set up. I apologize I did have the thought. I was like, involved. why is Alex telling us to watch Rogue One? <laughs> he doesn't like that movie very much. Certainly not as much as I do. I like that movie. It's yeah, perfectly it. fine. Let's see, Jones is also good in... Some movie that came out recently that I can't remember the name of where she played... Uh, oh, On the Basis of Sex. Yes, yeah. I still didn't see that. She's that a really a good, good actor. She, yeah, she was very good in that. I need to watch that still. It convinced me that... Um, what's his face? Army Hammer needs oh, to play sure. uh, Mr. Fantastic. And oh. it's probably not going to happen. That's an interesting movie. <laughs> you go, now I've seen him as uh, Justice Ginsburg's <laughs> husband. He'd be a great Mr. Fantastic. You're watching this movie and like, he's like, being very supportive of his wife going, he'd be really good, stretchy. <laughs> Basically, you know, the- this movie was kind of a stretch for him. <gasps> stretch, oh. Uh, oh. arm, stretch, oh. Armstrong. <laughs> but no, like he's he's because he's got. I mean, he's got the right face. Like, yeah, just he's a great. He's a, he's, he's a good. Actor. He's, he's a great actor. Uh, he's got very deep voice, which I feel like he can do. Yeah. Like the the authority, very like of like, ah, oh, I am telling yeah. you science things. Um, and he's also very tall in, in general, That's or, true. At least, or at least. I don't know if he. No, he's a he's a he's a big boy. But but also like they they play up that like because the entire it's an interesting movie in that the entire movie sort of is filmed from Felicity Jones height. Oh, interesting. So it's like I mean it's it's not like yeah that's cool. It, it, it's not super like obvious, but I think that you can tell that that is sort of the viewpoint they went with, where it seems like it's more yeah her. And so like a lot of times when they show him, he's like sort of towering. Sure. Uh, you know it's it's not like I'm probably exaggerating. The no, effect, but that's an but, interesting concept. But it does seem to be done more like that which really I appreciate a lot drive home the, the literal like the the figurative and yes. literal uh, viewpoint uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and and how they all were looking down on her yeah interesting yeah. interesting so there you go uh, three recommendations mm-hmm. all Felicity Jones related um, <laughs> Alex do you have a do you have a movie you legitimately want to recommend sure I'll do a Felicity Jones movie The Amazing Spider-Man 2 <laughs> I was really hoping you were going to say Inferno. The deep cut. <laughs> Chalet Girl, something like that. The secret Felicity Jones appearance in Amazing uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, no. I, when, I, when I was going through my Felicity Jones kick, I was like, wait, she was in that movie? Because they were trying to make her Black Cat, which I don't know Correct. if that would work. I mean, I'd well, watch it. the best it. part is... Probably would have. Apparently, they didn't actually know if they were going to make her Black Cat or not. Yeah. So, like, in the movie, she's just called Felicia. There's not a reveal, like, oh, she's Felicia Hardy, yeah. Black Cat. Like, they had... They had no idea what they were doing. Yeah. That movie's fine. Everybody needs to it's get pretty over it. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so, uh, one, one last note here that, again, has nothing to do with whatever this movie we just talked about was. 
Um, the, so so earlier I mentioned my Back to the Future idea, mm. and and oh jeez, is that lightning over there? Mm. Folks, we we may be attacked by a thunderstorm in the middle of this. Sorry about that. Um, uh, I knew we shouldn't have recorded in our storm van <laughs> in the middle of a hurricane. The hurricane. <laughs> like cast. a storm van tracking a hurricane. The hurricane cast, starring the movie buddies, rated R. And Dwayne Playing the Rock. At, All right, so what are we talking about? The man with the golden gun. Playing at your ears <laughs> right um, now. Rated R. For at some nudity, point, I guess. At some point, I don't remember. <laughs> It's Alex. It's yeah. <laughs> I got excited when they mentioned the third nipple, okay? <laughs> third nipple? Shunk. <laughs> when Alex revealed to us that he's a third nipple. Um, Back to the future situation. Uh, so, so at some point, it may have been on the podcast. I don't remember. Everything runs together these days. Um, I We've done a lot of episodes. I discussed with you. This was fairly recent. I discussed with either, either the two of you or maybe it was – maybe Joseph was involved – that I want to, I want to to do a cast of this this where where Tom Holland is playing Marty McFly's like grandson, mm. and I said a Doc Brown casting, like fan casting, to pair along with this, like to be like Doc Brown's like son or whatever, yeah. who's like a time traveler, like a, a Doctor Who style time traveler, and I cannot remember the name, I cannot remember the actor who I suggested for this, and it's going to bother me forever. You didn't tell me because I, I don't remember. Okay, was he an older man or like a middle aged guy? I think I was going maybe younger. Okay. I want to say Chase Crawford. <laughs> sure. Cam Gigandit. Kellen Lutz. These are names. <laughs> Britt Eklund. <laughs> this bothers me greatly. I will figure it out at some point. There'll be a there'll, there'll be a mini episode released in between this and Spider Love Me. This is Tyler. It was, yeah. it was this guy. <laughs> it was Felicity Jones. It was Jai Courtney. If I've got it, okay, and then we're back. Uh, that is going to bother me all night. Shut up, Jai! <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, anything else, or do we want to sign off for real? Uh, next week, Spy Love Me. Woo! Trying to stall so I can remember this name, and it's not going to come to me. It's not going to happen. Well, you know what? If, if you want, you can always add it in as an extra bit at the end, because you're the one that edits That these. sounds like a lot of effort. Or just like when you think of it, memento it on yourself, so then you can do it in Spy Who Loved Me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, well, I've been Cubby Broccoli. <laughs> Have you now? <laughs> yes, the whole time. Rips and I've mask. been a slide whistle. <laughs> and I'm Tyler. <laughs> Good night, everyone. All right, everybody. Thank, thanks for listening. We'll see you all next time. Or maybe we won't because it's a podcast. Aren't subjective. <laughs> but you won't see us. <laughs> Nothing is real. <laughs>